Welcome to the Veterinary Pulse podcast. My name is Jordan Benchia. I'm the executive director of the VIN Foundation. Veterinary Pulse is the heartbeat of the profession. Join us as we talk with veterinary colleagues about critical topics from student debt to mental health and share stories. Stories connect us as humans, as animals, as a veterinary community. This podcast is made possible through individual donors like yourself and our technology partnership with VIN, the Veterinary Information Network. Thank you for being here. This episode, we're having a discussion with Kamira Patel, a third year veterinary student at UC Davis. She shares her veterinary school application strategy, how she narrowed her choices based on priorities, and her unexpected favorite part of veterinary school so far. Thank you for listening. Hi, Kamira. Thanks so much for being with us today. Thank you for having me. So I like to start with everybody and kind of say, how did you, what was your first introduction to the VIN Foundation? Yeah, uh, specifically for the VIN Foundation, I would say I was introduced by my work with VIN, um, with the Cots of Education and Student Debt Project. Uh, but I, I have been using just regular VIN for so many years now, just being in veterinary school, and especially in the last six months with COVID, uh, because there's just so many resources with VIN. And for example, procedural videos, which that has been really helpful for me recently as I'm trying to prepare for my junior surgeries, everything like that. And, and now that I've been able to explore more than foundations, there's so many resources for pre-veterinary students as well, which is great. Wonderful. Yeah, and we're thrilled to have you on our team helping with the VIN Foundation Cost of Education Map and the Student Debt Center. And it's great to get a student's perspective because we think we might be doing a good job, but it's all irrelevant if the students feel otherwise. So we're very grateful for your help and we're thrilled to have you working with us. Absolutely. I love it. I love it so far. It's fantastic. So when did you first realize you wanted to be a veterinarian? I would say I am a cliche in the sense that I wanted to be a veterinarian since I was little. I didn't actually grow up with a lot of animals in my household. My dad didn't really like animals to begin with, so I, I never had a pet dog uh, until I was in college. So my parents kind of joked with me that I, I really wanted to become a veterinarian just because I was deprived of animals as a child. <laughs> but I mean, really, that's not the case because I, I just used outside opportunities to gain experience with animals. So I started working at the Folsom City Zoo Sanctuary at a young age. And, and that was when I really started getting that passion for animals and, and helping animals because all of those animals are specifically either illegally kept or injured. So it is a sanctuary. And so I saw where, uh, humans are responsible for for these animals and and it's just it, it really just you know spurred my my interest in in the area what a great way to as a child i mean not as a child how old were you when you started volunteering at the zoo 
I was pretty young, actually. I would say 13 was when I was officially volunteering through a, a program. It's called the Zoom Ambassador Program. So it was to allow younger, uh, younger kids to volunteer and start getting that experience because, you know, really you can't be a volunteer until you're 16, but I was able to do it earlier because of that program. And that was fantastic for me. What a great opportunity. It seems like that would be wonderful. I wonder if zoos elsewhere have that as well, or maybe it was just specific because of the sanctuary aspect of it. Yeah, I'm not sure, but it would be something that would be interesting to look into, honestly, and and helpful for, for others that want to pursue that interest. So you knew from a young age that you wanted to be a veterinarian. Will you share your path in applying to veterinary school and what that looked like for you? Absolutely. I started looking at specific specific schools that I would be interested in and the requirements my first year of college, actually. Uh, I met with the animal science director of my major, and she worked very closely with the director of admissions at UC Davis Veterinary School. So I was working closely with her and trying to build my course load based on what UC Davis or other veterinary schools would require as I apply. So there were some schools I, I kind of X'd off my list just because I didn't want to do the more difficult organic chemistry or I didn't want to do a public speaking class and I, I didn't have any, um, I didn't have any sort of feelings about or connections more about this for the school. So just kind of X those off my list pretty quickly. <laughs> so the summer of my senior year of college was when I applied to veterinary schools using the VEMCAS application. And I had lined up all my letters of recommendation and gave those people specific dates that I wanted to have the letters of recommendation done by. That was because I personally wanted to finish my application in July and not wait until September 15th when it was due. I heard a lot of horror stories about students who, they got their application done, they sent it in very close or on September 15th, and there was a problem with their application. And because it was after the due date, their application was voided. So I was very concerned that that was going to happen to me and I would have a problem with my application. So I kind of planned for that to have a buffer period so that I could fix anything that would come up with my application. And I think that's a lot important thing that a lot of people don't necessarily consider when applying is because they're getting all of these applications as September 15th is coming closer and they have to review those to make sure that you have all your requirements, that you put in all of your courses correctly, which is a feat in itself, I will have to say. <laughs> um, so they really do get impacted, honestly, the review process as it gets closer to, to September 15th. And that's just something that people don't really think about. That's a good point. And I like how you added that buffer for yourself, almost two months, really, right? 
Yeah, and it, it did actually come in very handy because there was an issue with one of my letters of recommendation and I wasn't able to get that one in in time. So I was very happy that I had that buffer because that that really did help me in the end. Did you have any concerns that you might think afterwards, oh my gosh, I wish I had done this differently or like that you had more time to kind of third, fourth, fifth draft anything? Because I think that's maybe what I would have been thinking. <laughs> is, <laughs> is I might want that extra time for a few more drafts. But did you have that sense or were you just confident in what you were providing? I was pretty confident with what I was providing. I had started preparing pretty early regarding the personal statements. And I, I felt that I had worked so much on those. It sometimes it gets to the point where you're rewriting, you're rewriting, you're rewriting, and you're not making it any better. So I just decided, you know what, this is good. This expresses myself and I'm going to go for it. I think that sounds like a great strategy that worked very well. So what resources did you find helpful as you were applying to veterinary school? I would say that being a UC Davis undergraduate student was extremely helpful for me, specifically for getting into Davis Veterinary School. However, just their knowledge about vet school and the application process in general was extremely helpful. So they had an academic advising center, which helped me organize my coursework, and they even provided me with a list of all of the courses that are required by all of the veterinary schools. So it was very easy for me to check off which ones I've already completed and which ones I needed to complete and organize my four years in my course load based on that. And that, that was invaluable, honestly. And they also had a pre-health advising center at UC Davis. And that was extremely helpful because that actually allowed me to meet with the director of admissions at the UC Davis Veterinary Medicine School. And she actually gave a presentation about how to get into UC Davis. That was fantastic because she really did just lay it out. She was, she basically said like, you need to have this number of hours for veterinary experience. You need to have this score for your GRE. You need to have at least this three point whatever for uh, your GPA. And, and then she really kind of went into the MMI process and I think MMIs, there's so many different ways of doing them. And when I say MMIs, I mean multiple mini interviews. And having her explain what Davis's process was, was very helpful. And that same pre-health advising center, they actually gave a practice MMI for students who were applying to that school. And that was great too, because, oh my gosh, I can't say how great that was. It was just a very good practice for me to see how I would do in that sort of setting. Absolutely. And when you, so it, it seems like being an undergrad at UC Davis, knowing that you wanted to go to UC Davis, did you end up applying to other schools or did you only end up applying to UC Davis? Or if you can tell us a little bit about how that, that, that path worked for you. 
Yeah, I initially had applied to eight schools. And when I say applied, I didn't actually finish the application process for all of those eight schools. But I had filled out the application on VEMCAS and I was ready to go if I wanted to. But as I was getting closer to the date that I had, you know, assigned in my head to finish the application, I was realizing that I really, really wanted to go to UC Davis to the point that if I didn't get into UC Davis, I would just apply again the next cycle. So that made me realize that I didn't want to spend all of these application fees or money for the application fees when I knew I was just going to do it all over again if I didn't get into UC Davis. So I ended up only applying to Davis and it was very much the whole all my eggs in one basket <laughs> deal. And it was very scary for me because I am one to have a lot of backups ready to go in case something goes wrong. I like to be prepared. So just putting everything I had out there and just hoping for the best was something that was very scary for me. But I'm really glad I did that because I saved a lot of money uh, with the application process. You mentioned saving money by applying to just UC Davis. How did finances overall play in your consideration when choosing a veterinary school? Initially, I didn't really consider the finances when choosing schools to apply to. However, as I was finishing up the applications, in VEMCAS, you, you get a total of how much it's going to be to apply to various schools. And I was noticing that, and that definitely would, it swayed my, my opinion about what I wanted to do. But I also noticed how much money I was going to save by going to UC Davis as a California resident versus a private university. And that was something that really started the process of Xing out all the other schools and just applying to Davis because, you know, there, there was a huge deficit between the two regarding tuition. And I know that coming out of veterinary school, most are coming out with $150,000 in debt and you know, going to a private university would add on to that. And uh, that's something that I started becoming very aware of as I was continuing my application process. So that was another reason why I only applied to UC Davis in the end was just because the money I would save in the future was so much that I felt it was worth just applying and taking that risk. And were there other factors that you considered when choosing a veterinary school as well? Location was a big one for me. I'm definitely a California girl. So the idea of going to Ithaca, New York was something I wasn't really looking forward to. And also my family and my significant other are close to me. So I didn't really want to, you know, pick up everything and move both me and my significant other to another place because there was a consideration about his career as well. And, and not that that was the only reason why, you know, I stayed in Davis, but that was something that I wanted to consider because it was important to me. So I think I was very lucky 
to have gone to UC Davis undergrad and have and extremely lucky to have gone into UC Davis vet school and not had to go through that crazy process of trying to pick up your whole life and move. So location definitely was a big one for me. And I also considered where I would be the happiest studying. So I, I did look at some of the campuses and facilities and I honestly just fell in love with the UC Davis Vet Med campus. It's so beautiful. And it's also one of the only two vet schools in the US that allow dogs on campus. I could not tell you, or I could not express how much having people bring their pets to school and having them play at lunch, it really does help with your peace of mind. and. I'm going to be honest, veterinary school is really stressful and just having all these dogs around you, it helps. It really does. So I'm very happy at this specific campus and that was something I was considering when applying. The last thing that really was important to me was that Davis has a strong mental wellness program and that was another thing that really drew me to UC Davis because I had heard a lot about some other veterinary schools being notorious for stress and mental health. And I knew that that was going to be really important for me as I moved on with my career, since we do have the highest suicide rate in this profession. So I wanted to make sure that I had the resources available to me if for some reason I needed them. Just because this, like I said, this profession's very stressful and a lot of veterinarians do suffer from compassion fatigue and moral stress, etc. And and that was just something that I wanted to have as a support. I think those are both those are great things to consider when you're choosing a veterinary school. And since you mentioned the mental well-being. I just want to make sure everyone knows that if anyone's struggling or feeling stressed, overwhelmed, um, please know you're not alone. The VIN Foundation does have a free resource called Vets for Vets. It's confidential support, peer-to-peer, and it's free for veterinary students and veterinarians. And if anyone needs help, we're available. Um, And it's tangible one-on-one support. Because I think that that is a very, you know, unfortunately, the two I would say critical factors in the veterinary profession or two of the most critical factors are mental health and student debt. And they definitely do play off of each other and almost to an extent encourage each other. And we really want to do everything we can to support veterinary students and veterinarians at every stage in their career. I want to backtrack for just a moment because you mentioned that you had the ability to practice MMIs. And I want to for our listeners, if you can just describe what the different interview options there are for veterinary school, how the interview process works in general for veterinary school, and then if you wouldn't mind diving into a little bit your experience with your UC Davis interview. Absolutely. So there are a lot of different types of interviews that schools can have when you're applying. And The most common one that I've seen is the panel interview where you have maybe two, three professionals or faculty members 
that will interview you asking you questions about your experiences, your application, what opportunities you've had in your life, etc. And that's your classic interview style. What I've noticed is, is that there's been a shift recently towards the MMI style, which is the multiple mini interviews, because it is what medical schools use. And the MMIs are designed to be more scenario-based and really focus on how you do in a high-stress, how you perform, I'm sorry, on a high, in a high-stress situation and how you form your thoughts and your opinions and how you present them. I think the biggest difference for between the two panel interview and MMI is that the MMI is pretty difficult to prepare for fully. There are things that you can do, which I can go into a little bit of what I did, but there's no way that you're going to know the types of questions that you're going to be asked. Whereas for a panel interview, you can kind of guess that there's going to be the, the basic, you know, what adversities have you faced where, when describe a time that you failed and how, what did you learn from that, etc. So you can have those prepared in the back of your mind. For me, for the MMIs, um, I think I found out in October that I had received an invitation to interview at Davis. And, and their interviews are held in December during our undergraduate finals week. So that was something I had to prepare for ahead of time because I realized, okay, great, I'm going to have my interview for vet school and I'm going to be going through my finals. This is not fantastic timing, but oh well. So I scheduled my interview on the only day that I didn't have a final, and I chose the 8 a.m. to 10 a.m. slot because I knew I can, I can psych myself out pretty well, and so I didn't want to have to wait all day to do my interview. I just wanted to kind of get it done and over with, and I think that's something important that students should remember as they are getting those invitations back is, is try to choose a time, if you can, that will allow you to be at your best. And that's something that I tried to do for me. I did some preparation before the interview, and I know that some people think I did a ton of preparation, but really it was, I had the mentality that the school is assessing me as a person, and I can't change myself, so I'm not going to stress about it too, too much. But yes, I'm going to try to equip myself with some tools to strengthen my interview skills, but I wasn't going to prepare for specific interview questions. As I mentioned earlier, the Pre-Health Advising Center actually had a mock MMI that they organized with current veterinary students to act as the interviewers. And that was by far the most helpful resource I had for preparing for the interview. Because I got to practice two scenarios with a veterinary student in full business attire, and I got their feedback on my answers and where my strengths and weaknesses are. And that was invaluable, honestly. It really helped me understand where I can improve and what I had to make sure 
to refrain myself from doing, for example, using filler words or fidgeting during my answers. And I use my hands a lot when I talk. And one of, one of the veterinary students told me, you know, it's great that you're so expressive, but it is a little distracting sometimes when you use your hands. And so that was really important for me because I kind of had to, you know, sit on my hands a little bit more and try not to be so distracting with them as I answer my questions. That in itself was a huge resource for me. And I would say that that was where I learned the most and prepared the most. But that was only one day. And, and I didn't necessarily go out and look on all the different websites to see all the different possible scenarios that medical schools ask or practice questions, just because I tried to remind myself that they're looking at you as a person and in your personality, and that's something that you can't really change. So I just wanted to get an idea of how the interview was and, and just take it as it came. Gosh, it seems like the UC Davis, again, has so many great resources for you as a pre-veterinary student. Do you know if other veterinary schools do that sort of mock MMI? I am not sure, but I would definitely recommend students to ask their advising centers. There's, there's a lot of great opportunities at schools and resources at schools that a lot of students don't avail themselves to. And I think I was one of the few, actually, that really did look into those resources. And so I do recommend wholeheartedly that students look at what their colleges have and what resources they have, because they might have a lot more than you initially thought. And I would say I'm almost certain that they have a lot more than you initially thought. Yeah, taking advantage of resources that are available to you, it can be sometimes tricky even knowing where to start. Do you have any recommendations or suggestions for a pre-veterinary student that doesn't know where to start to look for resources? Like, did you spend time on the APVMA Facebook page or Student Doctor Network pre-veterinary pre-veterinary form? Or what were the areas that you sort of gathered information from? So I definitely looked at Student Doctor Network. That was really helpful just to get an idea of where everybody was. And I, I started, honestly, by just making connection with my director of my program. And my major was animal science, so obviously that's very related to veterinary medicine. Um, so that, that's where it helped me. But any... Any person in the advising center, I mean, every school has an academic advising center. So anybody in there will have, you know, papers, handouts, lists of different resources. And that's just a really great place to start, honestly, is, is the academic advising center. And, and they can kind of point you towards this specific area or this specific resource that you could find helpful I would recommend starting there. It seems like you had a lot of your ducks in a row as you applied to veterinary school. What did you feel, you know, of the different aspects of the application for veterinary school, what did you find to be the most challenging or the one that you sort of struggled with the most? I think that there was two areas where I felt I had a little bit of a harder time with. And the first area was 
my letters of recommendation. And the second area was my personal statements. So let's start with the letters of recommendation. Everybody is kind of apprehensive about asking for letters of recommendation, at least I am. The difficult part about applying to all the different schools, there are different requirements for different schools regarding the letters of recommendation. So some schools will, will require you to have two veterinarians write recommendations for you and the third one you can choose whomever. While other schools like UC Davis required one vet to write your recommendation and I believe they required an academic professor to write a recommendation and then the third one was up to you. I struggled with that a little bit because UC Davis undergrad is very large. So building a relationship with a faculty member is challenging because you're in a class of 500 students. That was something that I, I knew I would have to have a recommendation from an academic professor. So I really did have to lay down some groundwork to build some relationships. And I found it harder to do that in a bigger school. And that might be something that other students will find a little bit difficult if they're at other schools that are larger. But it is important. And I do recommend that because it does give your letters of recommendation some brevity. The second thing that was difficult for me was the personal statements. And that was because it takes a lot of self-reflection. You do have to kind of brag about yourself a little bit in your essays. And that's just something that I don't really, it doesn't come easily to me. I don't like, you know, thinking about how did this experience help me and what did I learn and all that kind of stuff. Or a lot of the questions was, where do you see yourself in five years? And at least for me, it, there are a lot of unknowns about your future. So trying to nail down exactly what you wanted, want to do and where you want to be in five years is a little bit difficult. I mean, I had ideas for myself, but trying to express that in only a hundred words is crazy. And that was really hard was that a lot of the personal statements have that word limit. And I'm one that likes to use a lot of words. And so trying to cut it down was just so difficult. So th th those were the two areas, the, the letters of recommendation and the personal statements, where I did struggle a bit with that. It's great that you shared that. I really appreciate that. And hopefully that'll help other pre-veterinary students. I, I mean, I thought you were going to say the interviews just based on your blog post. And you did such a great job with your blog post. We'll, we'll link to that in the show notes. We'll also link in the show notes to the episode notes, rather, to the APVMA Facebook page and website, as well as the Student Doctor Network pre-veterinary forum and other resources that Kamara is mentioning in this episode. What sort of adversity did you face on your path to veterinary school and, and what did you learn from that? My first year of college, I had a spontaneous tension pneumothorax, which is a fancy way of saying that my lung collapsed on me spontaneously. 
and uh, my heart was in danger of being displaced, so I had to go into emergency surgery. I was in the ICU for five days on a morphine pump, and I actually ended up missing my first round of finals of, for college. Um, it was the first quarter of college, and it was right around finals, and it ended up that I missed them. How scary. It was very scary. And to be dealing with that in your first finals in college, oh my gosh, <laughs> so hard. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was pretty terrifying. It, it definitely taught me a lot, but I mean, I think the difficult part was really during winter break, I was recovering and trying to wean off all of the pain medication I was on slowly as I was trying to study for my finals, which I'd have to take the first week back at school after winter break. So that was really hard for me because of the amount of medication I was on and how it really did affect my mental faculties, making it pretty difficult for me to study. And the, the recovery for, from my lung surgery didn't end when I was healed physically because my immune system was absolutely shot after that. And for the next three years, I was constantly getting sick and I'd get these weird, rare viruses. Like I actually contracted Bell's palsy where half of my face was paralyzed for a month and constant, it was just constant medical struggle after the surgery and some PTSD as well. So I'd say the biggest thing that I learned from that was just no matter who you are, your health is vital and it can really affect the path that you see yourself going on. And I could have easily been derailed by that experience, but it just kind of put some perspective in my life because I think young people, they kind of feel invincible. Like you kind of take your health for granted if you haven't had issues as a child and, and so when that's suddenly taken away, it's kind of like a wake-up call, honestly. Wow, Kamara. I mean, I've been working with you for a couple months, and I had no idea. There's a, there's a quote that I think about quite often, which has been credited to Plato, which says, be kind for everyone you meet is fighting a hard battle. I think about that so often because everybody that you meet and engage with, obviously a lot less during this pandemic, but even <laughs> on Zoom or on phone calls, et cetera, you just really have no idea what somebody's journey is and you have no idea what they're going through. Yeah. And I think that's a perfect example. You like your story and your sharing and thanks so much for being willing to share and open up about that. And that's such a great lesson. I mean, I'm so sorry that you went through that. And I kind of got, you know, uh, goosebumps just thinking about that because that's so hard as a you know as an undergrad to be going through something like that and at the same time everybody has their struggles right everyone has things that they are struggling with and that people don't other people don't know about and understanding and building resilience in yourself is vital I think it's vital for succeeding in life I think it's vital for succeeding in this veterinary profession and having a, a successful veterinary career because there's always going to be things that come up and how you deal with those things really determines how you will move forward in your life across the board, personally, professionally, et cetera. So thank you so much for sharing that story with us. That's, I think that's a very, very good 
tip and story and great advice for pre-veterinary students and really anybody. What would you say is one piece of helpful advice you would give to pre-veterinary students based on your experience? And it's possible you would say resilience based on what you just said. (laughs) But if there's something else, you know, I'd love to hear it. (laughs) I'd love for our listeners to hear it. Absolutely. I think one thing I'd like to, to share is that while veterinary school does, and I, it, it, it does kind of feedback to, to my adversity, um, I guess you could say, but yes, vet school does seem like the end all be all, but just if it doesn't work out the first time, there are so many other opportunities. You can apply again. You can reach out to the schools and ask what was wrong with your application? What can you do better? And some schools will actually give you feedback about that. And I think that's something that people kind of lose sight in their mind about is, is that it's, you don't just get one shot, you know, and as scary as this process is, whatever happens, it's supposed to happen and you're going to learn from it. So just putting that out there just in the beginning, I think is important, but I do recommend doing a lot of research about the schools and start having an idea somewhat early on about where you would want to see yourself and and maybe pick a reach school. And when I say a reach school, a school that is pretty difficult to get into, but you really do want to go there and, and pick that reach school and try to get your grades, your GRE scores, and your veterinary experience on par with what they require and what they want. So for example, when I was applying for Davis, I was looking at what the average GRE scores were and what are the requirements for the GRE scores. And the requirements are a lot lower than what averages were for the applicants applying. So I told myself like, I'm gonna try to get the averages because I want to be the best applicant that I, that I can possibly be. Um, so that was something that I was really trying to do was, was get my GRE scores in line with what the averages were for UC Davis. So I think that's something that you can do to just kind of give yourself a goal and it kind of gives you a path as you're navigating all this craziness with applying, for me at least, it gave me a path of like, okay, this is what I need to do, and this is what I'm gonna try to strive for. And that helped me a lot. And the last thing I would say would, would be try to get as much experience in a variety of places. And I know that's really hard to do right now with COVID and the shelter in place, et cetera, but, you know, in the coming years, if it is possible, getting experience in different workplaces and different environments is really helpful. For example, I was all about horses in the beginning of college. Like, I knew I was going to be a horse vet. I was going to only do horses. Like, that was my thing. And then I decided halfway through college that I needed to get some small animal experience to really round out my, my application. 
And I actually fell in love with the small animal hospital setting. And that's what I'm going to do now. Being in vet school, I've decided like, no, it's small animals for sure. <laughs> it's great when we have this vision of ourselves doing something and then we do it and we find out, eh, not so much. You just never know. And unless you try it, you just, you've got to give yourself that opportunity to experience it because you might have a completely different reaction. Absolutely. You mentioned a couple times that you have a significant other, and that was one of the reasons that you wanted to go to UC Davis. And so can you talk a little bit, if you're up for it, about how being in a relationship going into veterinary school has impacted veterinary school experience or how being in a relationship is while you're in veterinary school, understanding that it is a stressful time, there's a lot of constraints on your time and a lot of pressure, et cetera. Absolutely. I would say applying to veterinary school and keeping in mind that, you know, I do want to stay with my, my significant other. Um, it was a little stressful at times. I was considering actually going to London um, or, you know, Great Britain for the Royal Veterinary College there. And I actually took a trip with my significant other over there to visit the school because I, for a while, was thinking like, yeah, that's where I want to go. My, you know, my father grew up in, in Great Britain and, and I love it there. So that was something that was a little bit scary for, for him, at least my significant other, just because the idea of, you know, moving across seas was a little scary for him. So, um, we ended up visiting and I, 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 I was, it's a great school, but I realized, you know, this is not for me. So I think it was helpful, including him in the process and it ended up, you know, working out great for us, but it was scary at times. And we did have a lot of conversations about, you know, would you follow me? Is that something you're comfortable with? Are you okay with long distance relationships? If that's something you'd want to do, etc. So having that open dialogue is important. And I think it, it also carries on into vet school as well, because you have very little time <laughs> in veterinary school. Um, you're always studying. If you're not studying, you feel like you should be studying. Um, and if you're not studying, you're probably doing wet labs, you're trying to get more experience, you're volunteering, you're leading clubs. It's, it, there's so many things that you can do in veterinary school and it can totally eat up your time if you let it. So I made it very, I made it my priority to have at least an hour every night that I just sit down, I stop what I'm doing and I just spend some time with my partner. And whether that be just cooking dinner and watching a show on Netflix, like that's fine. But I wanted to make sure that I was having balance in my life. And again, having that open dialogue and communicating, basically saying, hey, so you thought first year was bad? Well, okay, second year is gonna be a lot worse. <laughs> And just basically giving him the benefit of the doubt and expressing, you know, this next coming week's going to be really stressful for me. I'm going to have a lot of late nights. I just wanted to let you know. 
And so I think that communication is absolutely key. And he's a fantastic support system. He understands that that school is my dream. Um, so he's been absolutely wonderful supporting me with that. Um, sometimes he's the one who's pushing me to study when I'm like, I can't fit anything more in my brain. And he's just like, yes, you can do it for the animals. <laughs> <laughs> the animals are depending on you. You can do it. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but I think, you know, relationships, they, they are hard and it definitely, you know, it hasn't been easy. I mean, it's, you always have to work at a relationship and, and whether, I mean, I have friends who are having some long distance relationships or, or single coming into vet school and trying to um, build relationships. So it's, there's a variety and I think it really does all come down to how much effort do you want to put into it? I think that's very true with everything that you want in life, right? And yeah, <laughs> and relationships, absolutely. They take work, right? And clear communication is vitally important in every aspect and especially in a relationship. Absolutely. What has been one of your favorite moments in veterinary school so far? Um, I would say... I loved dissections. Like I loved it. <laughs> My anatomy classes were so fun for me. And I think a lot of people, there was some, you know, there, there a lot of people saw it as something very cool in the beginning. Cause it was like, you get this dog and you got to dissect it because you need to learn about this blood vessel here and this nerve crosses this plane here and this innervates this muscle, etc. And they slowly, I think, lost that passion for anatomy because it really got down to knowing all the details and there's so many different blood vessels and nerves, etc. And it got tiring, but I absolutely loved it. And I am actually tutoring um, lower classmen in anatomy because I think we there we do have a tutoring program at UC Davis that the upperclassmen can help with uh, lower classmen in the classes that they're, they're in right now. Um, but I saw that there was a gap because no one was tutoring anatomy. And I'm like, I know people are struggling with anatomy just because there's so much information. So I... I reached out and was like, Hey, I'd love to tutor. And Oh my God, that's been so fun. It's been great. It's a good review for me too, because I learned stuff in first year and then second year comes around. And I'm like, you know, I knew this at one time, but it's totally gone. <laughs> so, um, you know, my love for anatomy actually made me realize that I, I do want to go into orthopedic surgery because I love the bones. I love musculoskeletal, um, the system. And, and so I realized that's what I want to do just because I just love dissections so much. And I just loved learning about all that stuff and the mechanics behind it. What a great opportunity for you to continue to improve your skills. And at the same time, help the younger generations in coming up and learning those things. And I'm sure that, like you mentioned, 
you you kind of go through something and you think, oh, I forgot that I like this so much, or I'm sure that you're continuing to learn as well because you're taking somebody through a teaching process, but that's probably a great learning for you and what a rewarding experience. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So the last question that I like to ask people on this podcast is, do you have a secret talent? Something that, not like, are you Wonder Woman secretly? But <laughs> uh, I mean, maybe you are. <laughs> In which case, pray tell, because we definitely want to know. Um, <laughs> but there's something that you enjoy doing or that some people in your life might not know or your classmates or something that's unique. So... I'd say people who are close to me know this, but you know, I, people just walking down the street wouldn't know. Um, I I actually am an artist, and I grew up doing art because my my mom is an artist as well. So I actually do a lot of animal portraits, which has actually been very popular in vet school. Um, a lot of people have asked me to do portraits of their animals, and that's been really nice actually it gives me a little bit of a break from you know the monotony of studying all day and and stuff like that and I just get to exercise my right side of the brain instead of my left and and do something creative and artistic and I love it and it it still incorporates my love and passion for animals um, but just in a different way that's so cool. And so what's your medium? Uh, anything, honestly, but I, I really so watercolor do drawing acrylic, any of it or any of it, honestly, but I, I do love pencil a lot. Mm-hmm. I'm, re- I'm really getting into doing color pencil portraits right now, but I mean, I've done paintings, I've done watercolor, I've done, um, graphite. I, it's just, anything honestly (laughs) any I've done wood burning I actually love that too that's something that's super fun so anything honestly that's great and what a great way to like you said just sort of like some downtime being able to flex those creative muscles are vitally important when you're spending so much time with the left side of the brain absolutely well, wonderful. Thank you so much, Kamara, for taking time to talk to us and with all of your help with the VIN Foundation resources. And I really appreciate you sharing your pre-veterinary experience and your veterinary school experience. And I'm sure that a lot of people will find it really helpful. So thank you. I'm so glad to hear. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Veterinary Pulse. Please check the episode notes for additional information referenced in the podcast. If you enjoyed this podcast, please follow, subscribe, and share review. We welcome feedback and hope you will tune in again. You can find out more about the VIN Foundation through our website, vinfoundation.org, and our social media channels. Thank you for being here. Be well.